Reach Freaks. Invisible Choir explores detailed depictions of violence and murder and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Go ahead, get my tag. Get my tag, Karen. My name is not Karen, so get my name straight. Get my tag, it's okay. Vineland is a city of roughly 60,000 residents located in Cumberland County, New Jersey, roughly 40 miles south of Philadelphia and about a half hour from Atlantic City. Vineland offers a more picturesque landscape than that of the nearby metropolitan hustle and bustle. Frankly, it seems like a great place to live, with plenty of outdoor activities and, more importantly, a low crime rate. While statistically it is roughly 20% safer than any other neighborhood in the U.S. on average, That's not to say that Vineland is perfect or without its problems. And that problem, for one family at least, was 18-year-old Zachary Latham. To put it bluntly, Zach Latham was a punk. Or at the very least, he's not the type of kid you'd want living next door if you had to be up for work in the morning. Not much information is available regarding Zachary Latham's early years. What we do know is that he was emancipated around the age of 16 and that he later enlisted in the U.S. National Guard at age 18, but separated from service for reasons unknown and had just recently moved in with his grandparents on Thornhill Road. Their house was just a stone's throw away from the Durhams, four down to be exact. The Durhams were a family of four. The patriarch was 51-year-old William Durham Sr., a 19-year veteran corrections officer with the Southwoods State Prison. Then there was his wife, Catherine Tiffany Durham, and their two sons, 17-year-old Gage and 21-year-old Billy Jr. Almost right away, Zach Latham's presence became known to everyone on the block, and not for a positive reason. He was the kind of guy who thought speeding through a school zone for the sake of showing off to his friends was a super cool thing to do. He loved fast cars, and apparently owned both a Corvette and a brand new Dodge Viper before he even reached age 18. Burning tires, revving engines, and racing up and down a once calm Thornhill Road became his new routine. And while nearly everyone in the neighborhood became frustrated with all of the ruckus Zachary Latham had caused, for whatever reason, the Durham family became a target and were receiving the brunt of his antics. Latham seemed to enjoy picking on Mrs. Durham the most. This more than likely was due to the fact that she wasn't shy in confronting him whenever she had the chance. Tiffany Durham had no reservations about approaching Zach's vehicles after witnessing his cars squealing down the road, causing a massive cloud of smoke in the otherwise quiet suburban loop. She tried to ask Zach to cut it out, but he wouldn't listen. It was around this same time that he conveniently took a liking to TikTok, the popular social media platform that's been popping up more and more in true crime lately. Before long, Zach Latham realized that terrorizing his neighbors and recording their angry responses made great content for his freshly created TikTok page. Zach Latham soon began recording Tiffany Durham specifically on his phone anytime she came outside and asked him to cease the ongoing reckless behavior. On April 6, 2020, Latham had allegedly been putting the pedal to the metal as per usual when he zoomed past the Durham family home. From available cell phone footage, we see an aggravated Tiffany Durham walk towards Latham's car as he's recording from the driver's seat. 
In the video, later uploaded to TikTok that same day, he calls Tiffany Durham Karen, which, of course, makes her even more angry. Latham is seemingly egging her on in hopes to gain an even stronger reaction for his newest followers online. What are you going to do, Karen? That's not my name, so get my name straight. Go ahead. I'll you okay, Karen? Go ahead, get my tag. Go. Get my tag, Karen. My name is not Karen, so get my name straight. Get my tag, it's okay. The edited clip then cuts to Latham recording his rearview mirror, where we see three police officers arriving on scene following the confrontation. Zach Latham's wife, Sarah Latham, can also be seen briefly in the clip, sitting in the passenger seat when Zach pants his phone quickly past her. All because my car is loud. Three cop cars. This video quickly went viral, and in a matter of days garnered some three million views. Top of that, Zachary Latham had acquired some 40,000 followers on TikTok shortly thereafter. Apparently, he believed he had found his niche, because after this TikTok had been so well received, his videos using the popular hashtag Karen became much more frequent, and the Durham family continued to be at the butt end of Latham's online jokes. On April 14, 2020, Zach Latham pressed on with his residential anarchy campaign by recording yet another video, this time involving Tiffany Durham's son, Billy. The video shows Tiffany Durham's son, 21-year-old Billy, confronting Zachary Latham from his driver's side. From the vantage point of Latham's camera, Billy runs up to his car and reaches into the open window, either to grab Latham himself or his phone. From the video's audio, we can hear Latham say that he has a knife, before stepping on the gas pedal and speeding off throughout the neighborhood. Immediately following this interaction, Latham uploaded that video clip to TikTok with a caption that read as follows. Karen's son found out the video went viral and tried taking me out of the car. <laughs> Blow this up for part three. Hashtag Karen. Hashtag keeping busy. Hashtag he mad. Hashtag FYP. Hashtag for you page. According to a source who knew the Durham family well, Billy wasn't angry about the popularity of the previous Karen video featuring his mother Tiffany. Apparently what angered him to the point of charging Latham's Corvette was that he had posted the Durham's home address on the internet. After maliciously commenting this personal information under one of his own videos, followers of Latham's TikTok account started showing up on Thornhill Road. Several like-minded individuals found it funny to further the harassment by spinning their own tires, honking their horns, and racing down the street, targeting the Durham family home and the woman they only knew as Karen from online. Zach Latham, of course, thought this entire scenario was hilarious, in fact, he seemed to thoroughly enjoy getting under the Durham's skin, not to mention his online presence was growing rapidly as a result. Days later, on Thursday, April 23, 2020, Zachary Latham allegedly posted a photograph that's since been deleted from his social media. In the picture, he can be seen holding a gun while posing for the camera with the caption that reads, This is how you handle neighbors. 
By now, the police had been to Thornhill Road countless times, but not much was ever done about it. On April 25th, Tiffany Durham phoned authorities once more. She wanted to document all that had been going on, requesting each incident have its own report and that she obtain a copy. She was sure she was going to need these files at some point in the future for the simple fact that Zachary Latham was relentless, not to mention things were only getting worse. Unfortunately, what Tiffany Durham didn't yet realize was that the police reports and official paperwork would soon be rendered meaningless, because eventually this neighborhood feud would escalate to something much more extreme, just a few short days later. By this point, Zachary Latham had successfully made life a living hell for everyone who had the misfortune of living on Thornhill Road in Vineland, New Jersey. But no family in the neighborhood had arrived at their wit's end as exhaustively and quickly as the Durhams had. On the morning of Monday, May 4th, 2020, 18-year-old Zachary Latham loaded up his dirt bike in the back of his grandfather's white GMC Canyon pickup truck. He, his wife Sarah, and his friends Moses and Dylan were getting ready to go riding in a patch of remote woods nearby. But on their way out of the neighborhood, Zach noticed his neighbor, 17-year-old Gage Durham, who was riding his bicycle. Zach allegedly revved the truck's engine and swerved toward Gage, pretending to run him over or at least scare him off. At the last second, Zach corrected the steering wheel and sped off down Thornhill Road past Gage and out of the neighborhood. After a fun-filled day of riding through the local dirt bike trails, Zach and his friends would return to the neighborhood, but when they tried to turn back onto Thornhill, they couldn't. That's because Mr. Durham was there waiting for them. This episode is proudly brought to you by Squarespace. All right, I have been a loyal Squarespace customer for years. We've built our beautiful website out at invisiblechoir.com on it, and I use it for any new project. It's the easiest all-in-one web design, brand promotion, and e-commerce integration that I've ever worked on, and it's why I'll never leave. I love it for the simple fact that anything and everything we've ever wanted to do with any one of our websites, we're able to do quickly and easily and responsively so they look beautiful on any device. They also have an entire suite of amazing product features that are built right in, like the members-only area where you can monetize your content or expertise by selling access to exclusive material like videos, online courses or newsletters, or even your very own podcast. They also have a simple-to-use appointment scheduling feature, so if you've got clients who need to book time or appointments with you, they can do it all based on your existing availability. So it takes all the hassle and headache out of coordinating calendars. Squarespace also has integrated analytics, so you can see how your clients are using your website and develop marketing strategies for how to best engage your visitors and convert them to paying clients. So if you've been holding off on building your brand or business website, why wait? Head on over to squarespace.com slash choir for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code acquire to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash choir and use offer code choir. This episode is also proudly brought to you by HelloFresh. You know, since I found out the aliens may have invaded Earth, I'm not spending any more time away from family than is absolutely necessary. That includes trips to the grocery store. That's why I love HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and amazing seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep without any of the hassle or economic heartache of the grocery store. I love HelloFresh because I've been intentionally eating less processed foods. And with HelloFresh, you get farm-to-table quality with every box. 
and their seasonal ingredients are picked at peak ripeness. So they travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days for fresh flavor in every bite. Also, in addition to your regular weekly meals, you can also customize your order in the HelloFresh market with additional snacks, meals, and more, all of which can easily be added to your weekly order. It's simple to use right through their app, and we love it because depending on what's going on for the week, we can mix things up. And since the June frost is finally melted in Wisconsin and Minnesota, we just ordered the s'mores bundle for evenings around the campfire, and we can't wait. And neither should you. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Invisible16 and use code INVISIBLE16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Invisible16 and use code INVISIBLE16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. After Gage told his father what had happened, 51-year-old William Durham Sr. waited for Latham and his friends where he'd cut them off at the corner. Gage's father then blocked Latham's truck with his own pickup. It's at this point when Mrs. Durham approaches the two vehicles that were now nose-to-nose, bumper-to-bumper in the road. Tiffany Durham can be seen again on video, walking the short distance from her driveway. This time, she's the one recording, in addition to Zach's wife in the passenger seat. Just like you swerved in front of my son and tried to hit him today, right? When? 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 Yeah. You don't remember? Today, when he was riding his bike and you swerved and pushed him against the curb? I didn't push him against the curb. You did it? You don't remember? What? You have it on video? I didn't do that. Yeah, we do have it on video, on our house video. The cops already saw it. Okay, sorry. I know I didn't, guys. You did. You were right here in this truck. What, him or him? Wait, what did he I honked at him because he was in the way. He was in the way on the side of the road? I didn't hit you, though, man. I didn't say you did. He said you did. No, I did not say that. You don't want to get points on video, so get your straight, you little punk ass. While Tiffany Durham is sticking her phone through Zach Latham's window just inches from his face, Sarah Latham continues recording on her phone as well. Inside Zach's grandfather's truck, Latham's two other friends, Moses and Dylan, who he'd just been dirt biking with, are still in the back seat but not visible on camera. You're 18, come on! Get out of his face! Get out of his face! No! Get out of his face! Oh, did you hit me? Did you hit me? Latham is then seen shoving Tiffany Durham's arm out of the way before driving off. He then tells his wife Sarah to call the cops and report an assault, though it's unclear if this call had ever been made. Zach proceeds a few houses down before immediately arriving at his grandparents' house. He parks the truck in the driveway and Zach and his wife Sarah Latham exit the vehicle. Zach then tells her to start recording there in the driveway on her phone, clearly anticipating the Durham's arrival any minute now. Latham then briefly enters his grandparents' house, arms himself with a four-inch knife from the kitchen, as well as a stun gun. He then heads back outside and stands at the edge of the open garage door threshold. For now, Latham's two friends, Moses and Dylan, remained in the truck. Just then, 17-year-old Gage and 21-year-old Billy Durham Jr. pull up to Latham's property on their bicycles. As instructed by her husband, Sarah Latham is already recording. I promise you, you better back up because you're not going to like coming out. From Sarah Latham's cell phone video, we hear her say something along the lines of, you better back up. I promise you're not going to like what's coming out. She warns both Gage and Billy Durham Jr. after slamming the brakes on their bikes. 
Just then, William Durham Sr. and his wife Tiffany are seen arriving on the property in their pickup truck. They both get out and Tiffany Durham begins recording on her phone again. It's at this point things go from bad to worse. William Sr., Gage, and Billy Jr. all advance toward Zachary Latham. He stands cautiously in the driveway, just steps away from the open garage door. In the video, Zach can be heard audibly clicking his stun gun and begins warning the men to get off of his property. All three of them continue walking aggressively towards him, getting closer and closer to the garage. Latham and his wife can both be heard telling the three Durham men to leave the property before Zach shows them the knife. It's at this point that an all-out physical altercation ensues. Billy Jr. puts up his fist as if to throw a punch. Zach Latham is then captured on his wife's cell phone video, swiping the blade once at Billy, but he misses. He just barely dodges the blade in a Matrix-like deflection. William Durham Sr. then makes contact. He attacks Latham and pushes him back further into the garage. Mr. Durham is immediately slashed with the blade on his right forearm. The video shows blood clearly spattering across the back hood of a white vehicle in the garage. By now, the escalating scene has turned into sheer and utter chaos, and Zach's two friends, Moses and Dylan, have already jumped out of the back of the truck and into the garage to help. Six men, now pinned between two cars on a garage floor, continue throwing punches and kicks wildly. Sarah Latham is heard screaming, and the cell phone footage becomes even more erratic. At some point in the video, Zach shocks William Durham Sr. with a stun gun before stabbing him again in the back and underneath his right arm. At one point, William Sr. can be seen completely covered in his own blood, staggering his way back out of the garage before he stops midway. He turns back around briefly and notices his son, Billy Jr., is in a chokehold on the garage floor. An obviously wounded William Durham Sr. then picks Zachary Latham up in a bear hug and slams him into a toolbox against the back wall. Sarah Latham's cell phone video suddenly cuts out. Once the fight had finally ended, the Durhams retreated, but William Sr. was weak from loss of blood. His son Billy Jr. helped him into the family pickup truck, though he was not yet aware his father had been stabbed, just that he'd received a minor injury during the scuffle. William Sr.'s wife Tiffany quickly drove her husband back to the Durham residence while Billy Jr. and Gage took their bicycles back home on foot, once he noticed the Durhams were gone, that's when Zachary Latham called 911. Uh, 
911, where's your emergency? There's blood all over the place. I just got assaulted and jumped. Are you the one that got stabbed? No, I'm, no, that was the other victim, but I got beat up really bad and I had blood all over me. All right, so you're at 2986 Thornhill as well? Yes. All right, and you want an ambulance? Um, um, I don't know. All right, the person, or the person, the people who did it to you, are they still there? They, they, they came with trucks, came on my property with guns, and then when I fought them off, they drove away. All right, how are you injured, sir? Um, my windpipe was trucked in, and I got stomped out and choked by like 10 people. And where are you bleeding from? Um, I don't know. There's blood all over me. I don't even know if it's cut. There's blood all over our garage. Okay. The they person came in and said they had guns and they were going to kill us, and they came in my garage and attacked all of us. There's four people. Okay. Hold on one second for the police, okay? Okay. If you listen carefully, Latham can be heard reporting, quote, 10 people with guns who came to his house that he was jumped and that his windpipe had been crushed in the struggle. On the call, Latham is also heard changing the number of people who assaulted him from 10 to 4. Also, the blood on Zachary Latham was not his own. It belonged to William Durham Sr., the man who lived just a few houses down, who was now actively slipping in and out of consciousness. EMS were now en route to each house, and by now, Billy Jr. had helped his wounded father out of the truck and into the passenger side of his mother's vehicle, while they waited for an ambulance to arrive. Neighbors and friends of the Durhams began running over to help. A trailer parked in the Durhams' driveway was moved so first responders could have a clear path to their victim. And while William Sr. was sitting in the car waiting for the ambulance to arrive, only then did his son Billy begin realizing that his father's injuries were much worse than he thought, and that his father was barely clinging to life. Once CMS arrived, it was clear the situation was more medically urgent than originally anticipated, so crews began preparing the immediate area for a medical evacuation by helicopter, and both of William Sr.'s sons were taken in for questioning. At the very same time, additional units were just arriving at Zach Latham's grandparents' house, where the attack had taken place. Down on the ground! Down on the ground! Get on the ground! Get on the ground! Right, we have three people down on the ground now. Corner of, uh, Keep your hands where I can see them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I need an ambulance. What's your problem? I have a, I have a head injury. They came in our kitchen and attacked us. I need an ambulance. In this body cam footage, Zach Latham can be heard stating that his attackers followed him into the kitchen. This is an important claim, something he'll reiterate time and time again in his interaction with police. Can I grab my head? Where's his head? You. You in the blue shirt. Yeah. Turn your head so your face isn't in the dirt. Where are you hurt? I'm even I'm, I'm not hurt. You're not hurt. Whose blood is that? The, the guy that attacked Okay, us. stay down and grab, but don't bury your face. Where are you hurt? I popped my, I popped my shoulder. Okay, right. stay down on the ground and do not move. Sarah Latham screams aloud in the body cam footage that she has video evidence of what occurred. And while the officers continue to ask whose blood the three teens have all over them, Zach's friend can be heard saying that he was stomped and has visible lumps on his head. The officers desperately try to see if anyone is severely injured because they're confused at how much blood there is everywhere. Dude, are you sure you're not hurt? 
You are covered in blood. No, he was kicked in the head, bro. He's got lumps look, all on his head. Look straight down for me. Yeah, in the back. Yeah. He was kicked all up. Moses, if you're hurt, tell them. Yeah, bro. He just punched me and kicked in my face, and that's it. Yeah, they, they punched me in the heart and face, and they kicked me. Just a kick? They didn't use any weapons or anything? They just punched me and kicked me in my face and that's How many of them? Um, the, the one in the gray shirt grabbed me by my um, neck and had to, and so his brother just punched me. Zachary Latham continues telling police, but also EMS once they arrive, that the people who jumped him followed him inside his grandparents' home and into the kitchen. He claimed his head was slammed against the table. The only problem with this was that his wife was filming the entire interaction. And so was Tiffany Durham. At no point during either video is anyone seen entering the kitchen during the attack, only Latham entering the home to get a knife and stun gun before the Durhams arrived, which was not seen in the video. Sometime later, as captured via body cam, a man who was not involved in the incident begins walking up the road and toward the active crime scene. Go the other way, brother. Alright, well you weren't here when this you weren't here when this happened, so you can't go there now. Your grandmother's house. This is a crime scene. I don't this is my grandmother's house. Okay, your grandmother's fine. You're not going over there. Do not you're gonna get locked up. For what? We could you can't You cannot go over there. show me why I can't do it. Because it is a crime scene. You cross that you're getting arrested. I'm telling you that right now. Put money on my face. Okay. Cross that line, don't see. It's unclear who this man is or what exactly he was trying to accomplish, but either way, police eventually put him in handcuffs and put him in the back of a police cruiser until he calms down. That's it. All you have now you're not getting anything that you wanted, right? This is an active crime scene. You don't need to be here. Yo, Zach, you good? No. Meanwhile, Zach's other friends, Moses and Dylan, were still sitting in the driveway. We can hear Zach at one point speaking to a police officer describing his injuries. I feel like I have a concussion. Okay. I can't, I can barely see. My whole body's shaking. With the sun now having just set over Thornhill Road, officers are heard conversing with one another on the body cam footage, none of whom sound surprised at all at what happened, indicating that they're well aware of the long-standing feud between both parties. I'm going to go with this is probably the ongoing neighborhood dispute. And they came down here. By now, the entire perimeter of the home had been roped off with caution tape, and there were more than 10 police units stretched out along Thornhill Road with their lights still flashing, as far as the eye could see. An interesting fact here is that for some reason, Zach Latham was airlifted to Atlantic City Medical Center, even though he had only suffered minor injuries in the attack. William Durham Sr., who was in far worse condition, was also airlifted, but to a different hospital. After the proverbial smoke had cleared, so to speak, authorities began interviewing local residents that very same evening. They were hoping to gain any further information as to what actually transpired in the driveway and inside that now bloody garage. I mean, those kids are nothing but... Constant issues going on, right? Because, you know, my girlfriend and I were walking in the neighborhood yeah, early, and up. they're zooming up and down the street. Right. And poor Liz, who lives in that house, and she says, I'm terrified of these kids. 
and they just constantly up and down. Right, I, I, we have the constant uh, but, the complaints with their speeding um, from there. Yes. While it seemed just about everyone was well aware by then of the perpetual issues ongoing in the neighborhood, this was the first time things had turned physically violent. After Zachary Latham was brought to the hospital and medically cleared, having only suffered superficial injuries, he was questioned by law enforcement the following morning. Not long into his interview, detectives informed Zach Latham that his neighbor, 51-year-old William Durham Sr., was pronounced dead at the hospital at approximately 9.19 p.m. the night before. Zach Latham seems genuinely shocked when he realizes that he's killed his neighbor. The autopsy report would later reveal that Mr. Durham was stabbed a total of three times and died from a fatal sharp force injury beneath his right arm, which had also pierced his lung. In turn, the manner of death would be ruled a homicide. During his interrogation, Latham explains his recollection of events. He told detectives that he went into the house to retrieve a stun gun, but not the knife. He then claims he yelled up to his grandfather, who was home at the time. Latham says that his grandfather is a licensed firearm owner, but that he didn't hear his repeated calls for help. It was at this point Latham also claims he returned to the garage, where he met the Durhams and the fight would inevitably ensue. He told detectives that at some point he was put into a headlock himself, which was accurate according to the video. But what he told them next was not. According to Zachary Latham's version of events, once he got out of the chokehold, he escaped back into the house, and that's when he supposedly grabbed the knife. But again, this entire altercation was caught on video, and the footage clearly shows Zach Latham holding the knife while standing at the edge of the garage as the Durhams are initially approaching his property, meaning that he had in fact retrieved the knife before the altercation even began. It's also important to note here that he is never once seen on video re-entering the home to obtain a knife midway through the altercation as he claimed to police. The interviewing detective also informs Latham of his eventual charges, which would officially become one count of aggravated manslaughter, two counts of second-degree aggravated assault, along with some various weapons charges. During his interview, Zach Latham is still wearing a hospital gown from the night before, something the defense would later bring up in court as an example of ill-treatment toward their client. After delivering the news regarding Mr. Durham's death, the detective instructs Zachary Latham to breathe, as he begins hyperventilating and appears as though he might get sick. Latham then begins to cry, perhaps out of sympathy for taking his neighbor's life, perhaps because he realizes he could be going to prison for a very long time. This episode is proudly brought to you by Bass. Ah, spring has sprung, the sun is shining, Aliens may or may not have invaded Earth, and that means it's time to ditch the winter coat and break out the tank tops. But before you book that summer getaway to Hawaii or Mars, get yourself some new luggage that's as fashionable as you are and will turn heads both human and extraterrestrial. Base was created by actress Shea Mitchell to make sleek and affordable bags, luggage, and accessories designed to help you travel effortlessly while still looking fashionable. Base has thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. 360-degree gliding wheels, a cushion handle, built-in weight indicator, and even washable bags for your dirty clothes. Every piece is made to look better with miles. That's why I love my Weekender bag. I got one for my wife as well. Seriously, every piece is made to look better with miles, and they're built tough and to last. So you don't have to worry about them in the cargo area or overhead bins. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. 
so you know they have quality products. Right now, Base is offering Invisible Choir listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash invisible. Go to basetravel.com slash invisible for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash invisible. This episode is also proudly brought to you by Hatch. Okay, when we found out we were having twins, literally everybody we talked to said the same thing. Make sure to get them both on the same sleep schedule early, and you know how we did it with the Hatch Rest. If you're a parent, then you know what it's like to spend all night going in and out of your baby's room, desperately trying to coax them back to sleep. With Hatch Rest, your child will sleep better so that you can too. The new and improved second-generation Hatch Rest makes sleep better and more magical for your entire family. The all-in-one Hatch Rest is a smart sleep device with a sound machine and nightlight that grows with your kids. Seriously, we still use the Hatch Rest every night in the nursery and we take the second gen with us when we travel. And now that our girls are toddlers and getting a little bit older, we're starting to use the Time for Bed Pairing Alerts, which helps your child wind down at night and in the morning provides a time to rise signal that lets them know when it's okay to get out of bed for the day. You guys, the Hatch Rest is a game changer. Our girls actually look forward to going to bed. That's why I love this thing and I've actually made a habit of sending it to friends and family who are expecting new babies. So I am so excited to partner with them. Right now, Hatch is offering Invisible Choir listeners up to 15% off your purchase of a Hatch Rest and free shipping at hatch.co slash invisible. So if you're ready for improved sleep for your kids and yourself, go to hatch.co slash invisible to get up to 15% off and free shipping. That's hatch.co slash invisible. William Durham Sr. was better known by his nickname, Timmy. He was born in Millville, New Jersey, but raised in Vineland. He spent his whole life there and became an integral part of the community and eventually raised a family of his own. Camping, restoring classic cars, and spending time with his wife and kids were among the simpler things he enjoyed in life. He was described as a loving husband, father, and friend. A private memorial service was held at Pancoast Funeral Home, but due to COVID-19 restrictions, only immediate family members were permitted to attend. However, that didn't stop the people of Vineland from coming out in force and to showing their support for William and the Durham family. A 300-car procession consisting of law enforcement as well as close friends and family would pass by the funeral home. There, Tiffany Gage and Billy Durham Jr. sat in camping chairs at the roadside somberly waving to loved ones who were paying respects the best way they could. Tiffany Durham could be seen in video from the event tapping on her chest, pointing toward her heart as each vehicle went by. One of William Durham's longtime friends and fellow corrections officer, Michael Gallagher, spoke with the media that day to inform the public of just the type of guy Timmy truly was. Timmy was a great man. He was a great officer, a family man. He would say this is too much. He always called me G. Gee, this is way too much. Don't do this. He was always about other people. Michael Gallagher would later call his friend a hero for defending his family. Mothers online and in YouTube comments felt differently, categorizing Zachary Latham as a hero for lawfully defending himself. Whichever side of the argument people were on, there's no doubt that this was a senseless tragedy with no winners in the end. This entire incident could have easily been avoided. Unfortunately, after emotions ran high for so long, this was the end result. 
The big question now was if Zachary Latham would be held responsible for Mr. Durham's death. The entire altercation was caught on video from not one but two cell phones at different angles, both Sarah Latham's and Tiffany Durham's. There was no question that William Durham Sr., Gage, and Billy Jr. were the ones who walked onto Zachary Latham's property and initiated the altercation. But was the killing justified? Gage and Billy Durham Jr. were both charged with assault and trespassing following the incident. Their mother, Catherine Tiffany Durham, was charged with fourth-degree criminal trespassing and one count of simple assault. She had allegedly punched Zach Latham's wife, Sarah, during the incident and grabbed her hair while pulling her to the ground. However, all of the charges brought against the surviving members of the Durham family were eventually dropped. Zachary Latham would plead not guilty at his first court appearance held on May 14, 2020, by reason of self-defense. At the hearing, the prosecution contested, urging the judge to hold Latham on bail. The request was made not only due to the severity of the crime, but also taking his prior criminal history into consideration. The state brought up the fact that Zach Latham had pending juvenile charges from just six weeks earlier, from separate incidents that did not involve the Durham family. Zachary Latham had, in fact, just recently turned 18 when he killed William Durham. These prior charges of simple assault, making terroristic threats, and criminal mischief were brought up at his current hearing to indicate that Zach Latham was a threat to the public, and therefore that he should not be released from jail. However, the judge would ultimately side with Latham's defense, and less than two weeks after Zachary Latham killed 51-year-old father of two, William Durham Sr., he was released from custody. prosecution swiftly appealed the decision claiming the courts had recklessly misapplied New Jersey state bail laws, but ultimately the 31-page motion was denied as well. In short, Zachary Latham would remain a free man until he eventually saw his day in court for manslaughter, a charge that carried a potential 10-30 to 30 year sentence in prison, with a maximum allowable fine of up to $200,000. This decision caused a local uproar among residents, many of whom were supporters of the Durham family. A lot of people were already furious that Zach Latham hadn't been charged with murder. The fact that he was temporarily free after taking another man's life angered much of the Vineland community. Thankfully for those who live there, at least, they wouldn't have to worry about Zach Latham terrorizing their neighborhoods any longer. But that didn't mean he wouldn't become someone else's problem. The conditions of his release were as follows. He couldn't go back to live with his grandparents or be allowed in the vicinity of the Thornhill Road area where the deadly altercation took place. He was also to abstain from drugs and alcohol, could not possess firearms or any weapons, and had to get a job. But that was pretty much it. Pretty easy, right? A temporary residency was also arranged for Latham, but that location was never disclosed. The judge went on record to say that secrecy was important regarding the defendant's whereabouts due to the fact that Latham had been receiving death threats. And while the courts had clearly gone to great lengths to make sure Zachary Latham's rights were protected, where he was ultimately relocated to wouldn't remain much of a secret for very long. As it turns out, after getting out of jail, Latham moved to Florida. Soon after, he gained employment at a local car dealership in Fort Myers while awaiting trial. How people learned this information, though, was most likely from Latham exposing himself. 
Naturally, he continued making TikToks, but on a new account. Latham brazenly uploaded even more videos and posted comments regarding his pending case, only adding more fuel to the fire. He even posted the Durham's home address online again. Eventually, all of this got back to Latham's attorney, who told him to delete the content immediately, which he allegedly did. Then that September, an official court order was filed by the prosecution and signed by a judge, one legally binding Zach Latham to cease such activity online. That same month, the story of a TikToker who'd killed his neighbor for online fame was featured everywhere, including on daytime television programs such as Dr. Oz. The case had received all sorts of mainstream attention by now. With that came heated debates regarding self-defense laws. Zachary Latham started receiving more and more internet threats as well. But despite the court order, he continued to engage and began dishing out threats himself. Latham neglected his court order and remained in virtual warfare with his opposition online, all surrounding the topic of William Durham's death and the trial even going so far at times to taunt friends of the deceased. Once a handful of Durham family supporters had figured out where Latham worked, people began calling the dealership. They called Zach Latham a murderer to whoever would pick up the phone. Soon the anonymous callers on the other end insisted he be fired, and eventually it became too much for his employer. This kind of backlash was bad for business after all, and for obvious reasons, Zach Latham was soon let go. One would think moving to Florida and losing a job would be enough to stop this kind of reckless behavior, especially with a trial forthcoming that could potentially put this individual away for more than a decade. But this is Zach Latham we're talking about here, and no one tells Zach what to do. Eight months after his release from jail, he was at it again. In January of 2021, the state attempted to put Latham back behind bars for violating the recent court order regarding his online activity. However, before that matter could even be presided over by a judge, Zach Latham was arrested. On Saturday, January 23, 2021, Zach Latham reportedly swerved his vehicle toward another motorist, much like he had allegedly done to Gage Durham before his father wound up dead. During this most recent incident, Latham had also brandished what was thought to be an AK-47 at the other motorist before he sped off. After Florida Highway Patrol eventually located and pulled Latham over, he was immediately taken into custody. Florida Highway Patrol arrested Zachary Latham this weekend. The teen is already awaiting trial for tasing and stabbing this correctional officer back in May. It turns out that AK-47 was just a plastic airsoft gun. Still, Zach Latham had violated the conditions of his release, and so he was booked at the Lee County Jail, where he was subsequently charged with two counts of aggravated assault for the incident. Even so, Latham must have felt near untouchable by now, because he posted bail for $40,000 and was released immediately. The only difference was that now he had an electronic monitoring device attached to his ankle. Meanwhile, back in New Jersey, state prosecutors swiftly filed another motion to revoke Zach Latham's release until his eventual trial. This time, the request was granted, and on Tuesday, January 26th, the very same judge that had been dealing with Latham all along finally came to his senses and offered up the following statement at his latest hearing. I can't any longer fall back on the proposition 
that this is one instance of aberrant behavior based on factors that are not likely to recur. The defendant apparently has now at least exhibited in the state of Florida as well as in New Jersey, with the tragic events that occurred here that he is not capable of governing himself or his emotions, and is in fact prone to threats of, or in fact engaging in, violent conduct. Well, I guess the third time's the charm. Local law enforcement agencies in both New Jersey and Florida would work together to coordinate Zach Latham's eventual arrest and extradition. He was eventually transferred back to New Jersey, where he would remain behind bars until his eventual trial. Almost three long years after the death of veteran corrections officer William Timmy Durham Sr., defendant Zachary Latham would appear in court on March 30, 2023. Outfitted in a suit, tie, and fresh new haircut, Latham's appearance was noticeably different from the cornrowed braids seen styled in one of his early mugshots. During opening arguments, the defense would paint Zach Latham as a well-to-do young man, in addition to the young husband and former private in the National Guard, but most importantly, someone who was merely defending himself against a potentially deadly attack. Some key issues the defense pointed out right away were the fact that there were false reports of a second knife being used during the incident, and that Latham had claimed he ran back to the kitchen to retrieve a second blade, which ultimately was not true or accurate. This was more than likely due to his convoluted interview with police, which in turn eventually leaked to the media, becoming a hastily published and inaccurate headline. The defense would shift the blame onto Tiffany Durham specifically, highlighting her alleged attempts to provoke Zachary Latham on that fateful day by shoving her cell phone into his face before he pushed away and drove off. This, of course, was the incident that ultimately led to the tragedy that would unfold shortly thereafter. Tiffany Durham also claimed that Zach Latham gave her a black eye when he pushed her, which has never actually been substantiated. The defense also pointed out how, despite Tiffany Durham's claims on the stand that Zach's wife Sarah assaulted her in the driveway, as the altercation involving her husband and sons escalated in the garage. The video evidence suggested it was actually Tiffany who assaulted Sarah by aggressively grabbing her hair and attempting to throw her to the ground. At one point during the video, you can actually hear Zach's friend Dylan, who also happened to be Sarah's brother, yell out, Get the fuck off my sister. That's my sister. They also pointed out the claim that Tiffany had made during the stalemate interaction in the road just minutes before, where she claimed that the police had seen their home security camera footage proving Zach swerved at her son. But that claim has never been validated. In fact, when police originally asked Tiffany Durham to provide them a copy of the Ring Home security video footage from the supposed swerve, she was unable to produce it for some reason. That reason, as painted by the defense, was because Zach Latham never swerved at her son, and that video didn't exist because, according to them, she was a liar. It was also revealed in court that William Durham Sr. was drunk. A little-known fact only revealed when the medical examiner testified that his blood alcohol content measured 0.1 after the bloody altercation had already taken place when he had finally arrived at the hospital, which was still well above the legal limit. Later on in the trial, both of William Durham Sr.'s sons would also testify that it was their intention to physically confront and assault Zach Latham when they stepped foot onto his property that late afternoon that it was also their father's intention by way of his verbal and body language. 
They also revealed that upon first arriving, when Sarah called out that they needed to get off the property because they, quote, wouldn't like what was about to come out, one of them yelled out, he's got a gun, when their father first arrived on scene. And when William Durham Sr. was rushing Zach Latham in the garage with his sons, he apparently yelled out, get the fucking gun which caused even more chaos and confusion for all present that day. Confusion because it seemed the Durhams likely believed that Zack had a gun, and Zack's friends, who only heard Mr. Durham call out for someone to get the gun, thought that the Durhams may have brought a gun of their own. Zack Latham's defense was not only built on the supposed lies and deceit of the Durham family in their recollection of events, but also on the grounds that the police were negligent in their handling of the investigation of the incidents, leading up to and including the killing. They pointed out how police, who were alerted that some type of home security video did exist of the supposed swerve, never formally pursued obtaining their own copy via subpoena, and how despite Zach's grandmother's claim that there was blood in her kitchen immediately following the attack, blood that she admitted to police she cleaned up after a man was fatally wounded in her garage, they never investigated the claim further or even used luminol in the space to test for the presumptive positive presence of blood that had already been cleaned up. According to his defense team, Zachary Latham was the unfortunate victim of the Durham's overly aggressive confrontation, that he acted lawfully and legally to defend himself. Those details aside, this case revolved around one thing and one thing only, and that is one's duty to retreat. By law, a citizen's duty to retreat requires that an individual who is in imminent danger at the hands of another at least make a reasonable effort or attempt to avoid that threat by attempting to escape or retreat to safety. This, of course, is in contrast to the stand-your-ground law, which legally permits an individual to use lethal force to protect oneself with far less restriction in such an event. New Jersey, as it turns out, is not a traditional stand-your-ground state meaning that Zachary Latham would have had to have attempted to flee from the Durhams by entering his grandparents' home or to a neighbor's house, by either retreating and running away or down the street in some capacity in order for the killing to be considered legally justified. But here's where things get tricky. One's necessity to retreat before using deadly force by law only applies if the threat is outside of the defendant's own dwelling. Therefore, if the threat is deemed to occur or exist inside of the home, Zach Latham might legally be in the clear. His lawyers would go on to specify that the attached garage was considered part of the dwelling, or Latham's overall residence. Therefore, he should not be required to make any additional efforts to retreat further and cannot be held accountable for the crime of manslaughter of which he was charged. There's no doubt that this was a unique case. Throughout the entirety of the trial, it seemed the end verdict could go either way. And something that was particularly remarkable here was that every last gruesome detail of what had happened in that garage was caught on cell phone camera, not from one perspective, but again by two. Both of those cell phone videos were shown in court several times over, one from Sarah Latham's vantage point and the other from Tiffany Durham's. The total runtime of this footage was roughly 2 minutes and 40 seconds from the time Gage and Billy Jr. showed up on their bicycles to the time William Durham Sr. stumbled out of the garage covered in his own blood. While cell phone footage is the norm these days when it comes to evidence presented in criminal proceedings, it's very rare that a jury has the opportunity to view exactly what happened frame by frame 
from two different close-up angles. In addition, the defense would point out how many times Zachary Latham did verbally warn the Durhams to leave his property as they approached his garage. The defense then played the video back for the jury, this time pointing out each time Sarah Latham was quoted by saying, back up, as well as Zach Latham saying, quote, get off my property, which collectively had been repeated at least six times. To the defendant's advantage, the footage conclusively showed that the Durhams were in fact the first to make physical contact with Zach Latham inside of his grandparents' garage. Had Zach not first missed when he swung the knife at Billy Durham Jr., things may have played out much differently in this case. As the cell phone footage of the attack played out in the courtroom, Latham was seen bursting into tears, showing visible signs of emotion during the trial for the very first time. Another aspect that didn't seem to help the prosecution's case was the fact that Billy Durham Jr. had actually violated the court's sequestration order. As most of you know, you're not allowed to watch the news or any media coverage of a criminal trial if you're part of the proceedings in any way. Well, Billy Durham was undoubtedly among that list of people, considering that he would eventually be called to testify as a critical witness. Billy had watched some of the ongoing trial footage that had aired on Facebook, specifically his brother Gage's testimony. While on the stand, the defense was sure to bring up this violation as a way to suggest to the jury that Billy Durham could not be considered a credible witness. Before he stepped down, Latham's attorneys addressed a specific moment before the fight took place, where Billy raised his fist to throw a punch. Just before rushing toward Zachary Latham, William Durham Sr. can be heard on video turning to his son Billy and saying, quote, you got me, as in, you have my back, right? The defense questioned Billy Durham Jr. about this key detail, as a way to reinforce to the jury that the Durhams were the sole aggressors in this entire unfortunate tragedy. Latham's friend Dylan would also testify on the stand and said that he and Moses only came to the aid of his friend when they'd saw he was outnumbered. Dylan told the court how he too was beaten by the Durhams and that his shoulder had been dislocated as a result. And when it was the prosecution's turn to cross-examine their witness, they of course did and would paint a much different picture of who Zachary Latham was to the jury. Zach Latham was not a likable person, plain and simple, and the state would use this idea while harping on Latham's prior criminal record. The constant terrorizing of the neighborhood and incessant harassment directed toward the Durhams was crucial to the state's case. They brought up the fact that Latham lied not only to the 911 dispatcher, but also to EMS and police after they'd arrived on scene by saying there were some 10 people with guns who tried to kill him. During his interrogation, he continued giving false information to law enforcement by saying that his attackers had followed him inside the home and slammed his head into the kitchen counter. Latham also said that the Durhams had made verbal threats to kill him and that he was scared for his life as a result, that he therefore used the necessary force to defend himself. While Zachary Latham was certainly outnumbered in the fight until his two friends joined midway through, the Durhams were unarmed, and there was never any video evidence capturing the alleged verbal threats to kill Zach Latham. From the footage, it was clear that much of what Zach told the authorities early on was simply untrue, but lying to the police didn't necessarily mean that he was guilty of manslaughter. In their rebuttal, the defense would attribute these inconsistencies to the simple fact that Zachary Latham had suffered a minor concussion during the incident, 
And aside from his lies, the defendant's alleged hunger for the internet fame would also come into play, pertaining to a possible motive presented by the state. The state would argue that the Durhams were ultimately used as props to obtain Zach Latham more views online. They alleged that the altercation with the Durhams became amplified once he realized that this brand of content was actually contributing to his popularity across social media. And in order for his fan base to continually grow on TikTok, they alleged that he had to up the ante each and every time. The prosecution claimed that Latham baited the Durhams to his home that day, and the fact that William Sr. lost his life was no accident. They contested that if Zach Latham truly was retreating, if he really wanted to get away from a pending physical attack, why did he tell his wife to begin recording before he ran into the house to grab a knife and stun gun? Another question was, why did Sarah Latham choose to record before anyone even arrived and never once call the police? According to the state, if the defendant truly wanted to get out of harm's way, he would have stayed inside that house and locked the door instead of arming himself with a knife before incautiously swinging the blade. Zachary Latham was portrayed by the state as an unruly teenager, someone obsessed with going viral on the internet, and who was willing to do whatever it took to achieve that accolade, even if it meant taking someone else's life. By the end of a near two-week trial which captivated the nation, it still seemed like the verdict could realistically go either way. But on Thursday, April 13th, 2023, a jury would eventually reach a unanimous decision. As the floor person read the verdict aloud in court, the now 20-year-old Zachary Latham waited patiently until he heard two words he will most likely never forget. Not guilty. Zachary Latham was acquitted of all charges, and his role in William Durham Sr.'s tragic death was ruled justifiable. Zachary Latham walked out of the courthouse, absolved of any criminal responsibility pertaining to the death of William Timmy Durham Sr. And while this case is extremely controversial to this day, the jury ultimately felt that Latham was protecting himself during a fight that had turned deadly. One of Latham's public defenders even mentioned during opening arguments that had the incident not been captured on video, it very well could have been detrimental in sufficiently proving his client's innocence. The judge instructed the jury from the very beginning that it was up to them to decide the threshold of what constitutes the reasonable efforts Latham made or did not make in regards to avoiding the alleged deadly threat. There was no, quote, magic line, as Latham's attorneys put it. There was no clear-cut definitive threshold with respect to what constitutes these adequate measures, which in turn leaves a lot of gray area and concern for future cases similar to this one. Undoubtedly, it was a heavy burden for the jury to carry throughout. This case wasn't as cut and dry as some of the other cases we've covered, and while many feel things ended with the appropriate and just verdict, a man still lost his life, a wife lost her husband, and two children lost their father. It's hard not to sympathize with the entire Durham family. Zachary Latham put the Durhams through hell, and William Durham Sr. was sticking up for his family that day. Tiffany Durham came home to tell her husband that she'd been assaulted by Latham after he shoved her from his car window. At that point, you have to ask yourself, what would you do? Of course, hindsight is 2020, 
but it's not unimaginably difficult to understand the intense anger Mr. Durham must have felt in the heat of that moment. Besides, there were countless calls to the police leading up to this event, which ultimately resulted in nothing happening. Still, William Durham crossed the line, arguably more than just the property line that day. This was an emotionally driven choice that tragically turned out to be fatal. Many still believe Zachary Latham baited the Durham family onto his property that day, that he knew exactly what he was doing, and that he had the weapons ready to go for when this day would eventually come. But is it possible he knew his rights well enough to the point of possibly welcoming such an attack, knowing that as long as it happened there in his garage, a homicide might inevitably be deemed justified? More than likely, we'll never get the answers to these questions, but as it pertains to the law... The jury decided that the state had not met the required burden of proof to satisfy anything but a not guilty verdict by reason of self-defense. At the end of the day, two things are for certain. William Durham Sr. was undeniably a good man according to those who knew him, and Zachary Latham was, and more than likely still is, an asshole. It's hard to deny that or say otherwise about this individual, honestly, but... Being an asshole doesn't make you a murderer, and in a case like this, it didn't make him responsible for manslaughter either. That, of course, according to a jury of his peers. <laughs> 